Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Gymea Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Roxanne Lawler, Associate Pastor. Thanks for joining us. We're continuing in our series called What is the Church? which explores biblical images of the church and how they each reveal a different aspect of what it means to be the church today. This week looks at the metaphor of the Bride of Christ and explains how betrothal and marriages in the ancient world were about community security and flourishing rather than romantic love. Looks at the distinct stages they had that symbolise the time the church is in as we await what Revelation calls the wedding supper of the Lamb, the time when Jesus and his church will be together forever. Well, hi, everybody. Good morning, church. It is great to be here with you today. Um, my name's Roxanne, as was mentioned earlier, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at GBC. G'day, onlineers. Uh, it's great to see you guys in the chat, and thank you to everyone who has COVID who's staying at home. We love you for it. We appreciate you, and uh, we're praying for you that you're not too unwell. Uh, well, as Mark said earlier, we are currently going through a series called What is the Church? And if you didn't get... Uh, into last week's message yet. Let me just encourage you to get on the podcast and have a listen because Mark mentioned that during this series, each of the images of the church are kind of partial. Um, they're, they're little bits and pieces that we can kind of get a grasp of what the church is from uh, last week, say we were the flock of God who had to, to listen to the shepherd's voice. Um, and so each week there's a little partial story. It's not the whole enchilada, it's just a facet of it. Uh, so today we're actually going to be looking at the bride of Christ, the church as the bride of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I reckon if you're not a church person uh, and if you're new to faith uh, and you've never heard of the church and this is your first time, we welcome you warmly, but it, some chick's getting up and telling you about the bride of Christ, I mean, that sounds weird, right, from the outside. That's a really strange picture. Uh, and I don't know about what you would imagine if you're new to faith, um, but in my mind, I kind of picture a nun, you know, like a black and white nun as a bride of Christ. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, I see on Instagram uh, when best men prank their, their best mates when they're the groom and they dress up in the bride dress. I don't know if you've ever seen those on, on TikTok or Instagram uh, for the first look and the, the, the groom's expecting to turn around and see the bride and instead it's his mate with a beard and a dress uh, and then they put it up on social media. So in me, when I look at the bride of Christ, I think that's a really unusual image for the church. Um, I just, actually, Mark Lawler and I just celebrated 25 years of marriage. Silver, woohoo, go us. Uh, and so I thought I might bring along um, my veil, actually, from, uh, from the wedding. It's pretty long. I was a bit extra. Um, <laughs> there it is. Uh, there's the veil, uh, just to... Uh, just to use, there it is there. Be happy to know it still fits. Uh, so <laughs> there it is there. Uh, that's my veil. And and I reckon when we look at um, 
Look at him training it well. Um, I reckon when we look at weddings and the bride of Christ, we can get this modern image of what it means to be the bride of Christ. And, and we think, oh, weddings, we know it, you know, there's a guy meets a girl, you know, they go out, uh, they go to a restaurant, guy gets down on one knee, there's a ring, uh, there's an engagement and everyone goes, woo, when are you getting married? And then boom, it's on, they organise the wedding, there's spray tans and booking uh, honeymoons, <laughs> you know, do we go to Fiji, do we go to Mauritius, where do we go? Uh, do we buy a unit, do we move in together, you know, whatever. Uh, there's a whole lot in there. And we understand this as Westerners. We kind of get this picture of what a wedding is, what a marriage is. And we know that it's based on romantic love. You know, it's, it's just this beautiful, intimate relationship. And it's, and it's about love and, and bar tabs and who's getting the cars. And, and, and that's what it seems to be about in modern life. But when we look at the image of the Bride of Christ in Scripture, it's a bit of a different picture. And so I was trying to think, what can I bring along uh, that kind of represents this from days gone by? Um, So I actually brought along um, a prayer shawl. Uh, And this is a a prayer shawl from Israel. That's a bit old, um, but go with it. Um, And here it is. And um, you'll notice um, it's got a lot of tassels on it. And um, modern Jews will wear um, a a vest-type thing under their clothes and you'll see the tassels hanging down. It's called a tallet and they're called zitzi. And um, they have a representation that that, that the knots and the the tassel, as you see on this, uh, equals 613, which is the number of laws in the Torah. And so they'll wear that and cover that, uh, cover themselves in it to represent themselves being under the law and under God. And, um, and they'll put a prayer shawl over their head when they're, when they're praying to remind themselves um, of that. And in Hebrew weddings, what they will sometimes do is take the prayer shawl and put it up on four sticks and make a canopy, uh, make something, and it's called a hoopah. Um, and they they will make that and the, the bride and the groom will stand under the hooper together. Just them, no one else, just them standing under the hooper. And that's part of the wedding ceremony. So I thought I'd bring that and um, I'll use these two things just for my visual learners out there. Shout out to the visual learners. Um, so I reckon when we look at the bride of Christ as a metaphor, we kind of need to get our heads into not this kind of wedding, but, but a different style, an ancient Hebrew style. Now, I don't know if you woke up this morning and thought, what I really need is to know about ancient Hebrew weddings <laughs> to bless my life and, and to follow Jesus and to learn to love him more closely. Well, probably isn't what you, uh, what you thought of when you woke up. But let me encourage you to lean in because I'm going to explain and unpack a little bit about this and I think it will really help us grasp what God is saying when he calls the church the bride of Christ. You up for that? 
church said amen. Fantastic. All right. Well, just let me uh, let me say, in ancient Hebrew weddings, there were three separate stages. The first one was called shidukin, great word, and that was a contractual arrangement. Um, in, in our modern weddings, it's just the arrangement between the bride and the groom. That's pretty much it, and it's about romance. But, oh, ancient times, it's not about that. It's actually a contractual arrangement, not just between the bride and the groom, but the whole family. And this was an arranged marriage. The father of the groom would be like, my son's ready to marry. And he'd look through the village and the father of the bride would see, would be like, my, my bride's, a, my daughter's a teenager now. It's about time she got married. And they would meet and they would broker a relationship, a marriage. This family is going to connect with this family and it's not about just romance and love. It's actually about the continuation of the people of Israel. It's actually about how we're going to start this family that's bonded together, your family, our family. They're going to start this thing. We're going to get generations are going to come from this. It's security. It's survival. That's what this relationship here is all about. So they would broker this and the groom would pay a bride price. Hmm, it's a bit weird for our modern language, but the groom would pay a bride price and um, and that was for taking the bride away from, from the family and also a bit of security for the bride. And they would agree and everyone would know the bride price has been paid. And then what they would do is the the bride and her attendants and the groom and his attendants would go off and they would do something called a mikvah, which is a a ritual bath. So she'd go off and and she'd bathe in a a special Jewish ritual bath, mikvah, and and he would do the same. And then after they'd bathed, they would come together and stand under the chuppah, under the, the canopy together, uh, held aloft by, by the shawls. And, um, when they stood under, under the, the hooper together, this was called the erusin. And the erusin was the betrothal. It would be the public declaration that this bride and this groom have come together. They have declared their intention to be married. The bride price has been paid. The mikvah, the bath has been done. And they stand under the canopy representing all of the law. And they would say, this is the erusin. It was the betrothal. Much similar to our engagement, but a little bit more meaning and significance and the whole village would know they are betrothed. She belongs to him, he belongs to her, is how that would happen. Um, and so then after this Arusan ceremony, the groom, this young guy, he'd go off to his father's place because they all lived in communal areas and he'd start building. He'd be like, right, I need some rooms because, you know, it's good, we're going to have family, so I'm going to start building these rooms. And the bride who was probably quite young, would go off and she would learn about how to be a wife and how to be a mother and um, what's it like to run a household and how do I do that? And then also she's got to make all clothing and things and make herself beautiful for for the ceremony. And so he's off there doing the building and and she's off here getting ready and um, it was absolutely incredible. And then in some families, the groom 
would actually send his best mate, uh, this is the best man kind of thing, and he'd, and he'd send the best man over to, to the bride's family and the best man would kind of let the bride and her family know about the groom and his family. This is what, it's, this is what they're like. This is who they are. This is how they do things. And, and he would also help the bride and her family in the preparations, in, in getting ready. So he would be this special, incredible assistant for the family. So there we are. They're not married, but they are betrothed. And you might be thinking, I know that word betrothal. If you've read the Christmas story, I don't know if you remember Mary and Joseph, when Mary found out that she was expecting to have Jesus, she was betrothed to Joseph. They'd, they'd done it all. They'd stood under the hopper and, and declared, and then she's pregnant. The scandal of that, because everyone knew that she belonged to Joseph. Joseph could have um, really had retribution, but the scriptures say that Joseph was a good man and made up his mind to divorce her quietly, um, to, to put her away quietly, even though she was betrothed to him. But, but God intervened and, and he stayed and then Jesus was born. So this is this, um, this time of a and of getting ready. And finally, finally, the son never knew when it was going to happen and the bride didn't really know when it was going to happen. And uh, it would probably take six months to a year for the house to be ready. And the bride would be there and, and she'd have all her lamps ready because uh, it would happen at night when the, the groom would finally come. And she'd have her, her lamps ready and all her oil and all her garments ready and she'd know how to run the house and she'd be on the lookout and the best man would be kind of like checking out to see, you know, how it's going, is it ready? Um, and there's actually a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew's Gospel about the, the ten virgins and some of them are ready for the groomsmen to come because they've got extra oil and some of them aren't ready and they get locked out of the feast. don't know if you remember that story. Story, but that's this time. And finally, finally the house is getting built and the father says to the son, he says, all right, son, your house is ready. Go get your bride. And there would be a shout and a cheer and, and the shafar, the, the ram's horn trumpet would sound and, and this procession would occur through the village of the groom and the, the friends and the people and there would be lamps and, and shouts of joy and cheers all the way to the bride's house. And, and this is what we call the nisuin, um, which is the wedding. The nisuin comes from a Hebrew term which means to take up or to lift up this nisuin. And the, the groom would come and he would take up, lift up the bride and he he would take her back and again they'd stand under the chuppah, the, the prayer shawl, the canopy and they would then be properly married and they would go back to the father's house and there would be feasting for like days upon days and upon days and the bride and the groom would go off and have special bride and groom time during that feast and, uh, and then they'd come out and everyone would know that they are really, really officially married. Amazing. This is what a Hebrew wedding was like in ancient times. So when we look then at the scriptures and this theme of the bride and the bridegroom running all the way through both the Old and the New Testament, the writers and the readers of the first scriptures would have understood it very differently to this. They would have understood this. This theme is all the way through the, the Old Testament as well. But for, for the bride of Christ, 
Jesus casts himself in the role of the bridegroom in the New Testament. And he casts the church collective, not us as individuals, but the church collective as the bride. In Mark chapter 2, they ask Jesus, you know, why are you feasting? And he says, well, how can my disciples feast when the bridegroom is still with them? It's a time of great joy. In John chapter 3, John the Baptist is asked about Jesus and he says, no, he is the bridegroom and I'm like the best friend who comes to help. So Jesus takes this theme and, and church, I think when we look at the bride of Christ theme through this lens, it helps us. Because isn't, isn't our relationship with God a bit like that first contractual agreement? Aren't we brought before God and we agree and we say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to belong to you. And didn't Jesus pay a bride price for us? Not in money, but in his blood. Jesus paid the ultimate price. Scripture says, I have bought you at a price. You are not your own. You belong to me. And don't we, as believers, as people who follow Jesus, don't we, like Jesus, enter into that water of mikvah, that baptism moment, and prepare ourselves as we follow him? And don't we stand, really, along with Jesus? And church, just like that first time in the Arusan time when they first stood under the hoopah, that Arusan time, isn't that where we are? Because just like that son in that wedding went out to, to prepare a way, Jesus in John's Gospel says this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house, oh, it's got many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there? to prepare a place for you. And when I come back and take you, Nisuan, take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Church, that's wedding language. That's wedding language. Jesus is talking about the Nisuan, when finally the time comes when the Father's house is ready and he comes and takes the bride, the church, to be with him where he is. That's this language. And isn't also true that no one will know the day or the hour when that happens. The scriptures say that no one knows when the son will return. Not even Jesus knows. The father knows. And we look for that day when the father says to the son, our oh, son, it's ready. The time is ready. Go get your bride. Go get the church. And isn't it, isn't it incredible how in those days they would send the best friend. They would send the friend to teach the bride all about the groom, to help her in her journey. And it is incredible that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth, who will help us to know Jesus intimately, who will help us in our daily walk, who will help us in our preparation. Isn't that incredible how Jesus does that? Well, what now? What now, the bride of Christ, eh? Well, just like in these weddings now, just like today, if you get engaged, you don't just dust off your hands and go, well, that's it, I guess I'm engaged now. I can sit back and relax. (laughs) We don't do that. The work begins for the engaged couple and they've got to plan and they've got to book the wedding venue and they've got to organise the wedding cake and they've got to figure out a whole bunch of stuff, yeah? And, and there's activity and action and movement. And for us, for us too, when we're in this Arusan period as the, the collective bride of Christ, we don't just sit on our hands and go, well, I guess we'll just wait for Jesus to come back. No, there is work for us to do and there is tasks for us to undertake and there is things for us to learn. And I think there's three big things that I want us to learn from this today. The first is we need to be preparing ourselves. Hebrew brides would prepare themselves by learning to be a wife and a mother and making the wedding garments and so on and so forth. And and we as the bride of Christ collectively need to be preparing ourselves to, to be making ourselves beautiful, if I can use that term. Um, we are meant to be not getting our nails done and not being beautiful like that. But instead, we need to be making ourselves beautiful and fit for Christ. Colossians 3 talks about the, the church of God being collected from all over the world. No Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But the church is collective and it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and patience. And then it says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them in perfect unity. So church, we need to be preparing ourselves for the time when the Nisuan comes, when Christ returns. We need to be people who not just sew garments and get our nails done, um, but instead make ourselves beautiful on the inside, on the inside. And, And we can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit, the helper who is going to help us. So not only do we need to be making ourselves beautiful, but we need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads us into all truth about Jesus and tells us everything about Jesus. Another thing we need to be doing, like a bride, is being faithful. Being faithful to Christ. The expectation in these times, in the Arusan period, was that the bride and the groom, even though they weren't together, everyone knew they belonged together and they had to be faithful to one another. So as the beloved bride of Christ, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and the certainty that he is preparing a place for us, that he will return to take us where he is 
and let us be faithful to him. Let's not get our heads turned by anything which is other than Jesus that will detract us, that will take us away, that is not worthy of our space and our place and our name as the bride of Christ. Let us be faithful to him. Paul talks about this in um, in Corinthians chapter 2. Um, and he says, I have espoused you or, or promised you to one husband Christ, that I might present you, the church, to him as a pure and chaste virgin. It's strange language for us, but it's faithfulness while we wait for Jesus to return. And the third thing I think we need to be doing in this Arusan period is to be watchful, to be watching. The, the Israelite bride and, and her bridesmaids were waiting with the oil and, uh, and waiting at night and looking and looking and they didn't know the exact time around but they could kind of pick up some signs and, and we need to be watching um, about when it happens. Now the bride is about the bride's business. The bride's not building. The bride doesn't have any say in when the groom comes but they can be looking and waiting and be expectant and church we need to be doing that as we prepare as we make ourselves beautiful for Christ, as we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, as we're faithful to Him, we need to also be watching for that great and glorious day when He does come, when the Father says to the Son, Son, go get your beautiful bride. Get your beautiful bride and the trumpet will sound and the shout will go out and then we will hear what was read to us from Revelation. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the holy people. And the angel says, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Church, we're the bride of Christ. We are the beloved bride of Christ. Let us be preparing ourselves. Let us be making ourselves beautiful with the compassion and goodness that we spoke of. Let's be listening to the Holy Spirit as he reveals more of Jesus to us. Let's be faithful and let's be watchful. Amen. Let me, let me pray for us as the uh, team come up and lead us in worship. Will you pray with me online too? Oh, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us with an everlasting love. We thank you that we're the bride of Christ. You've chosen us, Lord. You have paid a price for us in your blood. And Lord God, you go to prepare a place for us. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be watching for you. And as we live our lives, Lord God, help us to prepare ourselves for that great and glorious day when we will be fully with you, where you take us to be with you. Lord God, we thank you for your unending love. Amen. So as we are betrothed to Christ, let us be preparing ourselves and be faithful to him and be watchful 
for his return. We pray that God use this message to draw you closer to him and to increase your faith and to make you more like Jesus. God bless you today.